Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast that has no name, but we do know it is all about the drivers. Eric Wesley here with you with the usual crew, Mike Kwiatkowski and Frank Carroll. Mike, how are you today? Hey, Eric, I'm doing great, doing great. In fact, I'm, I'm really excited because we've been trying to get this podcast set up for three or four months now, and we've got um, a guy named Dana Hurt. Um, and he he really inspires me to be a better person at times. I know that's a pretty heavy statement, but in this co- in this conversation we're going to have with Dana, he's going to really touch on some of the things that are important to us as a company and as personal as personal individuals. Number one, you know, the customers and keeping those people at the heart of everything we do. Uh, Dana talks about treating those folks like family. Um, I know you and I and Frank we talk about the family nature of the company quite a bit. Uh, and then he also kind of gets into some of the opportunities, you know, the opportunities that the companies afforded him, uh, whether it's money and travel and how life has gotten better for extra board operators in the last few years. So very exciting about doing this. And like I said, I'm looking forward to sharing this with everybody. Dana, you've had a really long career at Greyhound. Um, if you had two or three things that you'd like to get out there telling people about your career and opportunities that the company has offered you, uh, what would those be? Well, First of all, I'd like to say, starting my career here at Greyhound, I mean, it wasn't supposed to be a career. I was, was torn between going to school, uh, going to college to become a nurse. Uh, one of my uncles was a nurse, and I saw all the great money he made. Mm. And I heard about Greyhound with college tuition reimbursement. But at the same time, it was back in 1990 doing a transition of Greyhound. I was 24, oh, going on 25 years old. And I thought it would be just a year or two stay here at Greyhound. <laughs> and that's what I, I mean, that's what I thought when I came here. Yeah, just a year or two stay in. And I started making money, and it was the most money I had ever made as a young man. And mm-hmm. My first check, I looked at it and I thought it was incorrect. So I went inside to talk to Jenny Stevens. And I said, I think y'all made an error because the check was so much. And she pulled the computer up and said, no, uh, we made a mistake. We left something off. And <laughs> wow. that idea of going to college got further and further away <laughs> because of the uh, money that I was making. And it gave me a. Uh, different outlook on different outlook on life once I came here at Greyhound and so I tried to do all the different challenges as a new driver I wanted to do everything Um, I was a dispatching and was a supervisor one time which Barb Board got her start from at the time Al Smith was Al Smith was a uh, dispatcher in St. Louis and um, Mike Oh, Mike out of New York. Um, oh, Fleshauer. Uh, Mike Fleshauer. He was a, a dispatcher out of Nashville. Oh, my and God. So, time, yeah, I mean, I this, would, this is all the old school guys you're talking about, like Fleshauer, Smith. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Al Smith at the time was a dispatcher. And like I said, Bob Moore was a driver. And I was working in Austin at the time. And she came in and saw me working. And that started her career. She wanted to do the same thing as I was. Uh, back then, they called it a payslip dispatcher and a payslip supervisor, which I did both jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dispatched five cities at the time before Greycom went out 
and they went into central dispatch in Dallas. I was there to the last day and I went back to driving. That's crazy. I think so, I, I swear there's like so many people came out of that St. Louis office. I don't know if y'all were all yeah, inbred yeah. or drinking the drinking the Kool-Aid or what, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bob Boyd come out of St. Louis. So it was it was a big thing then. And and like I said, uh, like I said, it's been a great start uh, of a career for me. Like I said, I wanted to do everything. I would travel everywhere. And all the supervisors gave me the leverage because I didn't mind going places. Uh, they would call me and steal me from Memphis. And Memphis manager would threaten me if I wasn't back in town, I would be fired. <laughs> you know, and uh, like I said, everybody knew I didn't, I never had a problem with going to the different locations. I was very enthused to see all these different cities being uh, from a family who didn't have a lot of money. And this gave me the opportunity to see the world. Right. And you believe know, it or not, I, I went and saw it. You know, we we got that same thing going on today with transfers, you know, people tra- doing a lot of temporary transfers. And it seems, and you tell me if it's right or wrong, but it seems like that's one of the cool things about being a Greyhound driver. It's one of the nice things about, you know, the lifestyle of being a Greyhound driver. And I guess my question is, should we in, should we in promote that and facilitate the ability for people to move around if they want to do it you know, and they think it's the right thing for them personally. Yeah, I mean, it would be a great promotion because back in the day, they had the thing called See America. Drivers mm-hmm. could go from one location to the next one to see the world, and they could travel around the world, and when they got to the next location, and the dispatch would send them whichever way they wanted to go, and they would work in those cities two or three weeks and move to the next one. Hmm. So it was a great thing for the drivers to go see see the world as well as have opportunity to work for Greyhound. Guys today are now coming into Greyhound, and some of them are getting runs. We have a driver in Memphis, uh, Miss Arnell. She's been here maybe mm-hmm. 30 days, and she has a run now. And I'm looking at that, and I, I'm, I'm like more happy for them because, but they're missing the experience of traveling, though, you know? Mm-hmm. to travel and, and, and go from city to city and they're coming in holding runs. I think it took me 19 to 20 years to get a run. Wow. And, yeah. and like I said, it, it, but like I said, back then guys would not be, some guys had 25, 30 years wouldn't be to run. They would work the board in the summertime and jump from hold down to hold down. So, I mean, yeah. as you look at the way things are transitioning now, you know, you'd be like, well, I'm happy for them. They don't have to endure that, but they missing out on the travel because we was like one big family at one time at Greyhound. And I think we still are most, for the most part, most of the drivers are still like family. So people ask me about the family, you know, and Frank and I talked a little bit. You know, people ask me, why have I been here 20 years? And, you know, I've been here because of the people. Like you said, it is, yeah. after a while, it does become kind of like a big family. And what's interesting with our, yeah. with our new guy, the new president, Kai, and when he describes Greyhound to the Flix people, he says, yeah, Greyhound has got this family, an environment, a family-like culture that he's really never seen at another company before. So I think it's just kind of, I think it's kind of cool. I'm glad to see that you've got the same, you know, appreciation for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you know, you see a lot of guys that, I mean, in Memphis right now, I think the number one and number two guy lives in Memphis, uh, has 50, will have 53 years in April. 53 yeah. years of service. 
That's amazing. And yeah. Man, but it will stay here that long. Frank, I got to tell you the story about Dana. I never, I had no, I never met him before. I'm sitting out there on the, where they're unloading the bus. And I kind of remember this now. I don't think I ever forget it. And these guys come off the bus and they were kind of loud and raucous, some passengers. And then I hear this booming, deep voice, you know, and it's Dana's voice. I didn't know at the time. And he's got the, he's got the, oh, it's the dreadlocks. You don't have dreadlocks. What do you call the cornrows? Braids, uh-huh. yeah, the cornrows. Braids, the braids yeah. and the cornrows on the head. I'm like, that reminds me of a buddy of mine from high school named John Hamilton. But you got this voice and you're like, with that deep voice and you had a can of uh, Lysol in your hand. Because apparently the bus didn't <laughs> smell so good. And you're like, I know you guys did that back there in the back of the bus. I got this. And, and it was, I'm over there. I'm thinking we're going to have, you know, a major altercation. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm belly laughing because Dana's got the can of Lysol spraying after these guys. <laughs> uh, well, like I said, you, you had to make it. Uh, I mean, in my career, I never had to deal with a lot of things because I always treat people the way I want to be treated. Yeah. And I treat them like family. Uh, when I started, I mean, like I said, the transition of the day and back when I started, a lot of guys would tell you when I, I would drive from Memphis, from Chicago to Memphis, and people would bring you sack lunches. They would bring you pound cake, fried okay. chicken. They, if they fix the lunch for them, they fix one for the driver, you know? Wow. And it was amazing. It was that very is amazing. amazing. I told Mike about the story about the young man, uh, his mother put him on the bus with me to Chicago. He was 14 years old. And back then we had the program where you would watch uh, the young kids. They would sit up front with you or any, you know, um, unaccompanied kid. They would sit up front and you would watch for them, the family, kids for the family. And along the way, each, each time I got off the bus, he went in with me and everybody thought it was my child. So they would give him candy and cake and they would give him everything free. So by the time I get to the Chicago, uh, he has a tummy ache. He's like, you know, a little sick from all the junk food. So his mama looked at me and she said, I will never let him ride with you ever again. I said, wait a minute. I did not do it. The people thought he was my kid and loaded him up. So it was, it was, it was a, you know, a moment for me and her to have, but she let me know he could never ride again with me, but here it is. Ten years later, he comes up to me, and I'm loading the bus, and he said, Mr. Hurt, you remember me? And I told him, uh, no, I don't. And he reminded me that he rode with me, and his mother was mad with me. And he said, I was telling my son about you, and I wanted to know if it was okay if we rode up front with you. So I put him right up front with me. I said, I, you can ride up front with me if you never tell anybody that story again. <laughs> you know? so, I mean, th- those different stories take place, you know? and yeah. I tell Mike all the time, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Mr. Hurt, but um, that's okay. I, I tell Mike all the time in our conversations is that we can treat, teach a person to drive a coach, but we can't teach a person to have a heart for customers. Either you have oh, it yeah. or you don't. And, well, like uh, I said, most people didn't know me and the driver, some of the drivers mimic after me because I will buy food for people. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I, you know, coming up, my my grandmother and mother raised me and instilled in me that, you know, if you are blessed to have some, always be able to share, you know, um, and that's what I do. I, 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 my grandmother would see people walking the street, and 
she would feed people. We would have people in our houses that we never saw before. She always would help and give. And she was telling me, that you'd be surprised who you might help one day and then to come back, you know? She said, you never That's expect right. anything like that, but you never know. So I also told Mike Kay about the story of the guy that loves truck star in Okima. Oh, yeah, this is a good story. He watched me each time I stopped there for a break. Uh, his name was Matthews. Uh, he worked at the Love's Now, I think, in Otmore, uh, Oklahoma. And I would stop and I would always get food for the people. I would watch to see how many people wouldn't get off, especially kids. So I would go in and buy a bunch of food up and give it away, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was asking me, uh, he said, why do you do that? I said, well, because uh, people don't have anything to eat. Well, you're going to go broke one day doing it. And I told him it'll be okay. God bless me. So if I got, if I, they pay my salary. So I should be able to share sometime with somebody. If it mm-hmm. wasn't for them, I wouldn't have the salary. So he so happened to move away and go take another job with loves uh, at another store because he was great at setting stores up. And he had an accident where he fell off a scaffold. He was sent home without paying. They told him to return when he was able to come back to work. And he had just had a brand new baby. So he returned back to, oh, he he returned back to Okima, Oklahoma, and his wife and new baby him, and he didn't know what he was going to do. And the church members took care of him, paid his bill, brought him food and groceries and everything. And he so happened to come back to the loves to work, start working again in Okima. I stopped in and he saw me and everybody told me with accent about me and he come to me and he said, you know, Dana, he said, I got hurt on the job and he said, I didn't know which way to turn and what me and my wife and kid was going to do. And next thing I know, the church members took care of us. He said, but each time they walked in to give me some, I saw you. He said, seeing you over the years do for people, those people doing for me, he said, I saw exactly what it meant for you give people as they were giving me. So each time I stopped at the store since he was back, he would give the kids the toys at the store, like drone, the little drone planes, the dolls. Mm. He would give everybody food on the bus. And I told him, hey, man, you're going to lose your job. You keep doing it. He said, you don't tell me nothing. I can do what I want to do, you know? <laughs> and it's amazing. You know, you see, you see the little infomercials on TV about how you open the door and you pass it on. Mm-hmm. And it's it turned out to be like the infomercial pass it on. And right today, if he see me and he see the busload of people, he still gills as he did back then, you know, mm-hmm. just one little mm-hmm. fall and it made him change his whole way of look outlook on life, you know? Yeah. When I see people on the bus and that's all I think about is my family, you know, mm-hmm. they like my family. And I know they took that last little money to ride with Greyhound and might not have anything to eat. So why can't I give back? Well, everyone, there is so much more we want to hear from Operator Hurt about his career. So for now, we are going to put a pause in the conversation, but we will continue it next week. So be sure to tune back in to the next episode of the podcast that has no name, but we do know it is all about the driver.